Turn with me to the book of Judges. How many's ready for the Word of God? Praise the name of the Lord. Worship is exciting, and it's there to prepare our hearts for what God's going to do and what He's going to speak. And in the book of Judges, go to the third chapter. We're going to read a, a portion of Scripture here, and then we'll get right into the Word. But Judges chapter 3, I'm enjoying coming and preaching on Thursday nights, of course. I've done it for years, but I'm just thankful that I have my voice back. Amen. Praise God. I'm thankful to be able to talk and sing and just worship the Lord. But in Judges chapter 3, verse 12, we're going to read that. And then I'm going to read one portion of Scripture in the book of, of Ephesians. Um, I almost said Ephesus, but Ephesians. Amen. And uh, in Judges chapter 3, starting with verse 12, are you there? Amen. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. I want you to see that uh, Eglon, the king, had not only his kingdom and his military, but he had Ammon and Amalek also. But when the children, and for 18 years, uh, the children of Israel served him or were, in, were, uh, were tributaries to him and uh, under his uh, you know, oppression, but the Bible says, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. How many knows there's a cry unto God that he hears? The Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gerar, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries uh, that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. Now I want to stop for just a second and say that the children of Israel, or the people of Israel, they sent a present to Eglon is probably a big old plate of food. We laugh about it, but they probably had something. It was a big present to appease uh, this very fat man who was a king. And uh, after they had done that and everything was done, Ehud said, you know, I've got a private matter I need to talk to you about. And so King Eglon put everybody out, and it was just him and Ehud and an 18-inch Sword, dagger. And I love this because he said, I have a message from God unto thee. <laughs> God has a message to the devil. He has, did you hear me? He has a message to the curse. He has a message to sin. He has a message to the tempter. He has a message. And he said, I got a message. God gave me a message. So he arose out of his seat, and Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Talking about Eglon's belly. He, and they say in prison, shanked him. Okay? Come on now. And the haft, or the, the top of that Dagger also went in after the blade and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt came out. 
Now don't ask me what the dirt is. I don't know and I don't care. It was dirt. Was it? Look at me. I said don't ask me and I'm going to tell you anyway. Was it intestines? Was it what's inside intestines? I don't know. Was it blood? Was it? It was dirt is what it said. It was, it, it says the dirt came out. And then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. And when he was gone out of it, his servants came. And when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked. They said, surely he's covering his feet in his summer chamber. And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. So Eglon is dead because Ehud killed him with the sword. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Seareth. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountain, he before them, and he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and that the land had rest fourscore years, a long time, many years. And then over in Ephesians, one short portion of Scripture, in chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, this is what the Word of God says, and I love it. And he said in verse, we know in verse, I'll just start with 14. It says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the, of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying with always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But what I want you to get just in your spirit tonight, in verse 7 he said, And take the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. Let's pray over the Word of God tonight as we preach it. Father, I thank you for this time to come to break open the bread of life to preach the word to this congregation. And I pray that you help me tonight, God, that you would minister through me and to me, anoint these lips of clay, touch each and every heart in this house, and God will give you all the glory and honor and the fruit and the, the, the results are left up to you, God. But we pray that it be fruitful tonight in the name of Jesus. And we ask this in your name and we pray, amen and amen. Now I'm preaching tonight, I just entitled this The Sword of the Spirit because we need the Word of God. We need to wield the, the, the Word of God powerfully in our lives. And I'm preaching on this topic, Sword of the Spirit, and using Ehud slaying King Eglon with the dagger. And we'll return there in just a moment shortly. But first I want to show how sin is an, an oppressing force in our lives that has to be dealt with. Amen? Not just when you come down. Look, Jesus dealt with the sin, the, the, the power of sin, the penalty of sin when he hung on a cross. He dealt with the guilt of sin. He dealt with the pain of sin. He dealt with all of that concerning you and I and our soul and eternity. But we still live in this body that still fights a sinful nature, amen? We still deal with a fleshness about us and a self. So you are going to be fighting the rest of your life the good fight of faith to stay in Christ. But let me tell you something. God doesn't call you and I to do something he will not empower us to do, amen? He's a faithful God. But I want to show you tonight 
how sin is an oppressing force. And we'll get to the victory here in just a moment. But if you'll look with me in chapter 1 of the book of Judges, we see Israel came into Canaan land and Joshua dies right around that same time. And they, the Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 1 of the book of Judges, just a few pages to the left, it says that Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Hormah. And uh, I'm reading that, and then I saw in verse 18, Judah also took Gaza with the coast, and Escalon, and Ekron with the coast. And you're reading this, and you get to 19, and it says, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. I just want to share with you tonight that there, are, there may be strongholds, but they are not unbreakable or unbeatable tonight. There may be strongholds. The Bible even talks about that. How that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are strongholds we will deal with in our lives. There are strongholds in each and every one of us that we deal with, and they're broken. They get broken, amen, and we come through in victory. But I don't want you for one second to think that there is a stronghold that God cannot break because the devil will lie to you and tell you it's unbreakable it's unbeatable you're going to be that way the rest of your life you're going to be a drug addict the rest of your life you're going to be an alcoholic the rest of your life you're going to deal with an anger problem where you just begin to you know pop off in the rest of your life no those are strongholds amen that are broken they can be broken they are broken at Calvary's cross Hallelujah. He said, the same God that's on the mountain is the same God that's in the valley. Did you hear me? The same God on the mountain is the same God in the valley. Don't let hell or sin intimidate you that this cannot be broken. Amen. What's the problem? They were looking at the chariots of iron. They were looking at what's, what was down there. You know, I want you to know, we, 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 we see victory on the mountaintop. But then we get down to a place in a valley where we don't have the sight that we had on that mountaintop. Sometimes we don't always have the faith for the things that we need in that valley. We don't always see the enemy right ahead of us. But I want you to know God said to me today, you tell that church, you tell them I can break every stronghold. I can break everything that comes against them in the name of Jesus. Don't be intimidated by the chariots. I want to remind you of something Psalm 68, 17 said the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them. He also said in Zechariah 4, 6, unto Zerubbabel, he said it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord, this mountain shall be removed. This enemy shall be removed. It doesn't matter if it's a chariot of iron. God knows how to break every stronghold. Every stronghold, every yoke is broken by the anointing. The sword of the Spirit is the very Word of God. You must imagine or get into your understanding, your believer, your knower tonight. This is words from God. The very Logos is God Himself in the Word. Like when they say God is love, He's love. Amen. He's the epitome of love. He's the epitome of power. He's holy. It's not just a word defining him. It is him. So God spoke to Moses. And he said it was done and it was so. When he said let there be light, there was light. When the Bible says he sent his word and he healed all your diseases, he's the healer. When he said to the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand, he stretched it forth and it was healed. When God speaks, not just literal things in this Bible that are written, but when God speaks to you, he will begin to move on your behalf. 
There's power in this awesome word. Now before I get into the sword slaying part, that's a good part. I must say that we cannot let sin remain in our lives or the power of it. We cannot. We cannot let sin remain because if we are not combating and killing sin, it will be killing us. But my Bible tells me that Jesus came to destroy the very works of the devil. And he told Mary, amen. He told Mary, you know what, it blessed me today. Amen. I was going through one of your deals. You know, I don't even know what they're called. But those videos, the reels, I'm looking at that. And, and, and she's got Jesus on there. And you know, Jesus is power. Jesus is mine. Your name is power. And somebody put in the comments, you know, we got those warriors on the keyboard that just have to say, their two cents they can't just believe what they believe and go on you know I said you believe but listen he said he said Mary never said Jesus his name was Jesus Mary never said that and I thought to myself no the angel of the Lord told Mary his name shall be called Jesus so no Mary didn't say Jesus the angel of the Lord said Jesus and he said not only is his name going to be named Jesus but he shall save his people from their sins he shall destroy the works of the devil he said sin shall not have dominion over you that's not just for people that come to get saved. That's for people that are saved to walk in the beauty of holiness and walk in the power of victory, of a, of a life that's not bound by sin. What if I sin, Pastor? Pray through and repent. But my Lord in heaven, get up and serve God. I cannot say it enough. God didn't save you to become a better sinner. He saved you to come out from a life of sin. And he said, come out from among them and be separate. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Why are you doing the old things? <laughs> hey, hey. Why was Israel dealing with the sin and the things in the Canaan land, when the Lord told them, go and possess it and utterly drive them out. That's the problem. They didn't utterly drive them out. They let them stay. Amen. Israel stopped fighting. And they accommodated their enemies. When God said, utterly destroy them. How do you know that, Pastor? I'm going to show you in the Word. I'll just say things and just go, hope it sticks. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. 2 Timothy 4, be instant in season, out of season. Always be ready to give a man a word, a, a reason for this hope that you have in Christ Jesus. I stand here today and preach like a wild man. Preach like, you know, like they, they can call me whatever they want to call me. But I'm preaching because I know what I'm talking about. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes in deep and it deals with things. It shows us us. But in verse 21 of chapter 1, it says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day, and they did until David said, who's going to take those Jebusites and run them out of the city of Jerusalem? Joab said, I'll do it. That's why he was a mighty warrior. Yeah, he had his issues, but he knew how to fight. Every Christian, I can tell you, has issues in their life. We're trying to overcome our issues. That's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching tonight. As a Christian, did you ever get mad? Yes, I have, and I had to pray through. You ever took anything you shouldn't have taken? Or yes, I did. You ever told a lie? Yes, I have. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of as a Christian, but every day I'm getting up and I'm saying, Lord, today I'm going to live for you. Today you've given me power over this life of sin. You broke its stronghold. You broke its dominion. You broke its power. And I'm going to live in that victory. 
But they are, but it ain't going to happen if we are not combating it. That's why he said, mortify the deeds of your flesh. Bring them under subjection. Put that tongue to death. Put those hands to death. Huh? Don't be feet that run swift to shed blood. Innocent blood, as he said in the word of God. Don't be, have feet that are, have them, have them feet shod with the, with the gospel of the prep, of the, the gospel of peace, amen, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Have the boots of peace on that everywhere you go, your, your feet don't take you to stir a tail or to chitter chatter or to say something, but you go and you bring the gospel of peace. I didn't come here to gossip about nobody. I came to tell you what God says. Amen. I come to tell you what the Lord says. I come to bring you good tidings. Amen. God can touch you. God's got your answer. Amen. Well, they accommodated the sin. They accommodated the inhabitants of Israel. In verse 27... It says, neither did Manasseh. Here's the second tribe, one of the second tribes. They didn't drive out the inhabitants of Bethshehan and her towns, nor all of those other towns. And the inhabitants in those towns, even in Megiddo and the towns by the Canaanites, where they would dwell in that land. He said they never dealt with them. They never drove them out. Then in verse 28, the Bible says, and it came to pass, when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. What does that simply mean to you and I? If we don't deal with it and we don't drive them out, a lot of times what people will do is they will manage them, they will control them, they will try to accommodate their enemies when God says to eradicate it. You don't keep your pipe say it's just a memento memento I don't use it no more that devil will make sure that you use it if you don't get rid of it I never mention about pipes I don't even know why I said that amen I remember whenever I got saved we didn't have internet then we didn't have telephones then we're talking 1990 but I had my pornographic stack of magazines and I got saved and I went home and God said throw them out so I started throwing them out no preacher told me to do it no preacher preached to me to do it but the spirit of God arrested me and he said throw it out so I started throwing them out one by one by one by one and I got to that last one you know the one that you really liked And I remember the Lord said, if you don't throw that away, you're never going to burn that bridge. You have to burn that bridge. Well, why did I go, why did I get back bound to it again? Because you built the bridge. You build it back. Oh, and the devil, he, I can tell you, with the, with, the, with the advent of the internet and cell phones, he built a strong bridge. One that's easy to access what you want but I remember when God said throw that away and I pitched it I threw it away and I was free we got to be people that mean business with God because I can tell you when you mean business with God the devil sees that you mean business with God and God begins to empower every choice that you make Hallelujah. My God. But they put them under managed control. And they said we can harness them. But just like Samson, if you play with sin, you may escape Delilah a couple times. But eventually, that stronghold that unites you with the devil will begin to bring you under bondage and, and leave you absolutely powerless to get out of your mess. He'll poke out your eyes like he did Samson. He'll cut your hair off and your Nazarite vow goes down the window, uh, down the toilet. I'm just telling you right now, if we don't deal with sin and eradicate it and utterly destroy it, the devil will see to it, amen, that we're united with him. But I've come to give you a scripture tonight, amen. 
our unity of heart needs to be with the Lord because what did Samson do he told Delilah all of his heart the Bible says he told her all of his heart he told her everything amen he told that devil's waiting for you to open it all up he don't bind up people that don't allow him access he never told her everything until the end and he told her all his heart amen the bible says in in psalms 86 verse 11 david said in a prayer teach me thy way o lord i will walk in thy truth and i love this part listen unite my heart to fear thy name unite my heart to fear thy name see our heart is united and, and, and it's, it's so united with the things of sin. That's why he said, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. What you allow in your heart, I can tell you, that's what's in there. And until that heart has been purified and you've repented of those things and you're united with Christ, when you unite yourself with the devil, that's what's going to come out. But when you're united with Christ, that's what he said. Teach me thy way, O Lord. How does he teach us? Through his word. And he said, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And he said, I will praise thee. Hallelujah. Nobody praises God except their heart's right with God. You may sing, but you don't praise and worship. But he said, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Look, don't criticize anybody. David was delivered from the lowest hell. Praise God. Amen. Don't criticize nobody. Don't look around and say, oh, you know, well, that person. Let me tell you something. God delivered you. It just wasn't in public. Uh-huh. Anyway, I love you all. But it's an awesome scripture when he says, unite my heart to fear your name. We have to deal with that sin. Sin that we commit brings death, and death to our spirit, death to our faith, death to the fear of God in our life, and ultimately death to our conscience of God, which becomes seared with a hot iron. And Israel found themselves so far away from God, and in chapter 3 of, of Judges, let me get back there, Joshua Judges, Judges chapter 3, in chapter 3 with verse 12, it says this. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. God does not necessarily strengthen them, and and the terminology or the translation here is this. God allows them to be strengthened because of your decisions. But it says that, that God, the Lord, strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathers all of these other kingdoms and he brings the children of Israel under tribute for 18 years. Amen. Kind of like that woman that was bent over for 18 years. Until Jesus walked in and said, woman, thou art loose. He knows how to break the bondage. He knows how to break the shackles. Break the strongholds off of your life. 18 years is long enough. 18 years is long enough. God's saying to some of you today, may have only been 5 years, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years may have just been a few years, but he's saying to you today, I believe with all my heart to you, saying, are you finished? Are you done? We got to be done. It's time for breakthrough. 
It's time to quit being in bondage and tribute to the devil. They served Eglon of Moab. Yet in verse 15, there was a cry. Thank God for the cry of mercy. Oh, hear me tonight. Listen, we're talking about the power of sin. We're talking about the dominion of it. But let me tell you something. There is a cry that we cry out unto God, and it's broken. I want you, you say, well, you are preaching about Jesus and the power of the cross and how it's broken. And God said, you won't have, sin will not have dominion over you anymore. And Jesus came to save his people from their sins and, and that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Yes, all of that for people that put their faith in God, people that cry out to God. Then it's broken. It's like a gift card unto you, but until you activate it and you use it, it will not do you any good but when you say Lord this is my promise this is my promise this can be broken I'm tired of sleepless nights I'm tired of bondage I'm tired of feeling depressed down tormented I'm tired of all of this God says will you come home there was a cry a cry for deliverance and I love this. God raised up an Ehud to slay the oppression of Eglon. Old Testament, there were deliverers raised up. But the ultimate deliverer is Jesus. Amen. The only reason a pastor or a person can pray over you and there be deliverance is because Christ is in them. You hear me? It's not them. It's not me. It's not anybody in this front aisle. It's Jesus. It's the power of God in them. It's the Holy Ghost. But Ehud, lest I make somebody in the Bible greater than Christ. Ehud is an example of Christ. He represents the deliverance that only God can give. And he was raised up at the cry of deliverance from those that were oppressed by Eglon. And Eglon, king of Moab's name is Eglon because he was a big old fat man. Pastor, are you just making fun of him? No. He represents something that goes on in the church. How many preachers do you hear preach on gluttony? Everybody's going, preacher, just go back right up there on the platform. Paul said, you better be careful because your belly will become your God. And that applies to me and everybody sitting in this church. Amen. But he was a big old fat man and he was called Eglin because he looked like an egg. He was shaped like a big old egg. Lazy, lethargic, unprofitable, unproductive. See, sin is not just the drug addict, the alcoholic. You know, what happens is people, they get delivered from some vices, then they come into the house of God, they get saved and serve God, and then they begin to take on new vices. Oh, I'm not bound. Then turn the play over for a couple days. You'll find out if you're bound. Just turn the plate over. Oh, I'm not bound. Yeah, you are. I'm not bound. You can't go a day without a Diet Coke. You can't go a day without a Coke. We're laughing, but you know I'm telling you the truth. Okay, all right, I'm going to throw myself out there. You can't seem to go a day without a cup of coffee. Come on, Jesus. Preach to me, Pete. Preach to me, Pastor. Come on now. Come on now. Somebody said, here you go preaching on your Diet Coke, and here you go preaching on your Coke. Why don't you step on that golden calf called coffee? Amen. Brother Tom, you're welcome. Amen. That was all free plugging right there. But he represents, he represents a life 
that is given over to the flesh. And because they did not deal with the sin, they just accommodated that flesh. Come on now. Remember this, Jesus cast out the unprofitable servant who buried his talent. We are called to be fruitful. We are called to put our hands to the plow. We are called to fight the good fight of faith and war a good warfare. If we are not killing sin, it will be killing us. The cry of deliverance was answered with a deliverer with a sword. And in verse 15, I love this. Because when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer named Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Let me just tell you this today. When he says Ehud was a, was a Benjamite, which, and he said, which means the son of my right hand, we're sons and daughters of God. Does the Bible not say that Jesus was presented in his blood, was accepted, and he was accepted as the sacrifice by God the Father in Hebrews, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool? He's the power. He's at the right hand. You and I are the joint heirs with Christ, but we're the left-handed feeble part of that and the only way that you and I are ever going to overcome the things that I'm preaching to you tonight about sin self and the devil and oppression is by putting our faith and trust in the power who sits at the right hand of the father and oh Ehud he was left handed that's what it says but he was a son of the right hand. That's what it says. He was a son of the right hand. You know, what's interesting. If you study this, you know that those, that, that old Eglon, the big old fat king, had to have had secret service people around him. And when they came in, they began to feel down his left leg here because this is what happened. See, they would put their sword on the left hand and take the right hand and pull it out and they would... Take out the enemy like that. And so they started patting on this, uh, started patting on this side, but what they didn't realize is that he was left-handed and he was he was pretty, you know, as they say, ambidextrous, and he was you know multifaceted and powerful using his left hand. And uh, God is saying to you and I tonight, it's not your power, it's his power, amen. It's not your sword, it's his word and his sword, and it's what's powerfully sitting at the right hand, amen. And he reached in there and pulled out that sword with that left hand and what God is saying is I will empower you in your weakness amen my strength is made perfect in your weakness my grace is sufficient for you and when old King Eglon wasn't expecting it he shanked him in the side and he stuck that sword in and what God is saying to you and I tonight is the word of God is our sword there's power in the word there's power in the word there's power in the word of God Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. Jesus is the Son sitting on the right hand. We're empowered by His right hand power because of what He did. His side was pierced and blood and water flowed out for our cleansing and purifying. But get this. Ehud had his dagger strapped to his right side because he was a lefty. Old Testament times, lefties were, were, were described or considered a curse. Doesn't mean you're a curse because you write with your left hand. I don't know how you do it. I can't do it. Amen. I can write with my right hand. But all I know is this. It represented shorthandedness and lameness. But God empowers our weakness with his sword from the right hand. And he stuck that dagger in and the dirt came out. Let me just share with you tonight. Not only does the, world, does the word of God defeat sin, sickness, and the devil. As it goes in, 
the sword goes in and it deals with the enemy. Jesus said, it is written. And he began to quote the word. Amen. We have the word of God. And he said, use that word with that sword, which is the word of God. It's the powerful word of God. Think about it. When you're wielding that or yielding that, and you're using it to combat the enemy, you've got the shield of faith. But the word of God is your defensive, not offensive. Or I should say the other way around, offensive, not defensive. You're using that offensively. And you're saying, it is written. And when you begin to speak the word, the devil knows the word of God. It's powerful. It brings faith. That's why you got to preach the word to people. Because it's only the word that's going to bring faith. Come on. Oh, it gets better. I'm trying to hurry. Hallelujah. But as the word goes in, the dirt came out. The fat, lazy man was slayed. The oppressor was slayed. The bondage in the stronghold was broken and tore down. The compromise of Israel was slain by the power of the sword. But remember this, the word combats the lies of the devil. The word combats the things that you believe that you're living in are okay. The word combats the compromise. I'm a Christian but I gamble a little bit. Stop. I'm a Christian but I buy a few scratch-offs. Stop. You're opening yourself up to covetousness. Amen. I'm not being legalistic. I'm not being, I'm going to share a story with you. I'm ashamed, but I'm going to share it with you. Well, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to now that I've already got myself here. This is about 12 years ago. 12 years ago, it was a white truck back. Amen. So that's how long ago it was. It's a long time ago. Amen. But I remember I, the devil tempted me. He said, why don't you get one of them scratch-offs? You'll win today. You know, I'm thinking, man, just one. You know, when you get one, and I'm shaking while I'm scratching it. Don't look at me. I don't buy lottery tickets only when it's $1.6 billion. But I'm scratching that, and the, the Holy Ghost I'm feeling conviction. I thought, here, I'm shaking, you know. I'm shaking. And I, I, this is what sin does to you. You know, and then, then you win, and you're like, oh, i got to get another one, you know. So I, I hear I'm scratching and scratching and losing and losing. Then I'm feeling convicted. I'm scared to death. I'm shaking. If you don't shake when you're, when you're going through sin, you, you need to get right with God. Not, I'm not, you say, well, you're sinning and you're shaking. That's the Holy Ghost convicting you. If you don't feel conviction, you're on dangerous ground. But I'm shaking. And I drove my, I drove my truck through. To, I don't know. I was like, somebody's going to see me here. And God's like, I can see you. Nobody even knows you over here in La Mirada. And here I am in my truck. And I drove through a car wash. You know, the spray ones. And my truck got caught on there and it slung around and slapped my truck, knocked the paint off the back of it. And I'm sitting there and I thought, what in the world is wrong with you? And God said, you see what sin does? You see how it brings fear and it brings condemnation and it brings all of this. You knew not to do that. You listened to that devil because you bought the lie that this time I'm going to win it big. And Lord, I'll even pay my tithe. That devil will lie to you. Somebody said to me one time, I brought my tithe, and Pastor, I went down to Pechanga. I said, stop. I said, you can give whatever you want to give to the church, but I'm going to tell you right now, do not come in here and tell me that God blessed you with that. Because in order for you to win, meant somebody else had to lose. Oh, my goodness. We got some gamblers in here. Amen. I only preach what the, the Holy Ghost tells me. Church, I'm talking about compromise. <laughs> I'm talking about compromise. It's so many things. 
People get caught up in all kinds of things. Well, I always read my horoscope. I say, that's witchcraft. That is not kind of witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Just like astrology and all that search in the start. It's witchcraft. Then people come in. They wonder why they're bound. Because you opened yourself up to that. Amen. Amen. You can call me and I'll pray over you. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're messing with that stuff, stop it. Oh my, the word of God combats the lies and you're only deceived when you believe the lie. There's all kinds of lies the devil tells, but you're not deceived till you believe them. His word tells us truth and thy word is truth, Jesus said. We're clean through his word, John 15, 3. You may not remember everything or memorize all of the word, but read it. It's cleansing you and cleaning you every time you read it. It's like the little boy that had a hole in his bucket and his dad told him, go down there, had dirt in it. Told him, go down to the creek and get some water and bring it back. Every time he brought it back, there wasn't any water left. He said, go back. He did that about ten times. And he said, dad, every time I come back, the water's going out of the bottom. And he said, it's... There's nothing. I'm not bringing you any water. It's not doing me any good. And he said, son, that's like reading the word of God. He goes, look at the inside of the bucket. He said, it's clean. He said, what you don't realize is that God is cleansing you and I through the word as we read it. Even though we may not realize it, it's happening. That's why we got to read the word. And then when some nut job on YouTube tells you something that's not of God or not in the word of God, you'll go, "Mm mm-mm. I'll never forget my daughter-in-law. She's out there wherever she was on a store somewhere. These women come up and they're talking about the mother of God, the mother of God. It's in the Bible. And oh, Priscilla, you know, she sat under PJ for several years. Amen. I promise you, I'm probably one of her favorite preachers. I don't know if I'm the most favorite, but I'm one of them. Amen. Praise God. This woman's trying to convince her that, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and then there's God the Mother. And she said, no, that's not in the Bible. And the woman said, yes, yes. And she said, no, that's not in the Bible. And she started quoting Scripture, and the woman got mad and walked away. See, if you don't know the Word, you'll go, well, maybe, no, no. You'll believe all kinds of things. That's why you have to know the Word of God. Amen. You have to know the Word of God. I've come to this place with all of this, you know, fascination. It seems like even in the church world around the nation and globally with all this demon possession and stuff and movies made about it and everything else, God spoke to me in prayer and He said, if you have a devil you have to deal with, deal with him and go on. Deal with them. You deal with it and go on. No matter who it is, just deal with it, go on. But don't be fascinated with it. Don't go chasing after it. Don't go looking for it. Just let it come to you. Amen. Jesus walked in the room and they would begin to manifest. And God said, There is a preoccupation with this which is demonic, and the church better be careful. But yes, we do believe in deliverance. We will see people delivered. Come on now. We will see people delivered. I'm not one of these people that doesn't believe in deliverance. I believe in deliverance. Amen. And we'll deal with it when it comes. But my God, don't let all of this chatter and talk begin to move the focus from Jesus unto a devil. Worship God. Don't I feel like saying, don't you want to see? Don't you see that the enemy is winning and he's got your focus on something other than God? I said, Mike, it's right there in front of us and people aren't even paying attention. It don't have to get you to sin. It doesn't have to get your focus on sin. You've got it on the devil. I come to worship God. I come to worship the King of Kings. Let me say it one more time. If a devil-possessed person comes, we're going to cast them out. We'll deal with whatever and whoever, whenever. But I am not going to focus on a defeated foe. I'm going to focus on my Savior who is a conquering Christ. 
who sits at the right hand of the Father. My Lord, God delivered me. Of course, I believe in deliverance. But I also know God's trying to get us to point to the greater and more perfect day and moving in the things of God, growing in Christ, growing in fruitfulness. Everywhere we go, we put our foot down. We'll deal with whatever darkness we got to deal with. But don't talk more about the darkness than you do the light. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. Let this word stir you. Let this word stir you. You may not remember everything. You may not memorize everything. But read it. It's cleaning you. And even if you don't feel it or see it, it's happening. Let his word stir faith to take out your oppressor. Ehud had faith. Amen. The Lord raised him up and he's raising us up. Are you hearing me? He's raising up a people in this generation. It's a generation that's forgotten God. Just like the book of Judges. They forgot God. But he's raising up a generation that's going out to deal with an enemy. To deal with the darkness. To deal with those things that oppress us. Listen. Hear me tonight. Listen to me. The Bible says here in verse 27. After he went in and he took out. Amen. With that left hand. The fat man, he put that king to death. And the Bible says in verse 27, And it came to pass, when he came down and escaped from there, that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount, and he before them. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000. Did you hear me? 10,000 men. The King James calls them lusty and all men of valor. I'm sure there was some lust in some of them. Amen. But I read it today and every one of the translations I could get to get all the meat of the word and I read that I thought it's so awesome amen but he began to give them and empower them uh, the, 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 they, the, those that to fight against the, the Moabites the army he slew 10,000 the Bible says one can take a thousand two can take 10,000 what that represents is that I will send an army and raise up an army to go and take out the armies uh, the enemies of your soul but those men were men that were courageous and stout and able bodied and valiant and warriors and strong and victorious in, in their own right Moab's best fighting men but God raised up a deliverer that believed what God's word said and he took out the fat man there's so many things here you can preach but he took out the enemy. And with one victory, he said, let me tell you what just happened. We've been under bondage for 18 years. No more. Now it's our time. God gave me one victory. He's going to give us every victory. Yeah. Amen. So he gives you a victory over your lust or over the bondage that you had of something. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody comes and they offend you. And you say, you know what? No, he gave me that victory. This is going to be my victory too. Amen. I'm not going to be uh, loosed from one and bound by another one. Come on now. He said, he said, he blew that trumpet. Listen, oh, I'm almost done here, but stay here with me. It's exciting stuff. It's victories, exciting things. Amen. It's exciting stuff. So we're reading this, and the Bible says this. One victory means another. He blew the trumpet of testimony, and he called them all to fight and to go to war. All preachers, all that preachers are, are someone who came through something with a testimony. I am nothing. I promise you I'm nothing. But I came through some testimonies in my life. I passed some tests. I fought some devils and I won. And I stand here today proclaiming the victory that I have that God gave me. I say they're your victories too. 
they're your victories too. And he said, I'm blowing the trumpet. Who's going with me? Oh, my goodness. And the Bible says, he said unto them, follow after me. For the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. That which you've allowed to conquer you for so many years doesn't have to conquer you anymore. It's your victory. It's your victory. One victory means all victories. One miracle is all miracles. Amen. The Bible says that they took them, 10,000 men, and there escaped not a man. God didn't say, well, I did 99%. No. I've seen people come down to this altar, methamphetamine addicts, and God deliver them right here. And they got up from there, and they never went back to it. I watched people, alcoholics, come down here to this altar, and they got up from there, and they never returned to it. That means the devil never tempted them. I've seen people bound by things, bound by perversion, bound by adultery, bound by broken marriage and fears and everything else you can imagine. And God set them free. And they got up from here and they're walking in victory today. I'll never forget a man. I can't even remember his name, but he was an elderly man at Potter, in, in the Potter's house at Living Waters years ago. And the, I believe it was the, the prodigal house. That's what it was. I said the Potter's house. That's T.D. Jake's church. But, but uh, the prodigal house. He was an elderly man. He had to have been, my goodness, he's almost 80 years old. And here he is, and he's in there, and he said, I came to Jesus 15 years ago. And he said, I'll tell you, I went in that altar. And he said, I was an alcoholic my whole life. And he said, since I gave my heart and life to Jesus, he said, ain't no liquor touched these lips since that day. Because when God does it, he does it all the way. Don't you go back. You'll be seven times worse. See, then people come back, they get right, and then they go back again, then they're 14. Don't go back. My wife came down. She was just got right with God. And the girls that were in her, the girls that were in her apartment renting her college roommates, they were all going to a party. She had been in church on that Sunday. It's probably that following week. But I remember she told me, she said, I came down. And she said, I stopped at the threshold and God said, don't cross that threshold. You cross that threshold, you're on your own. You came to me and I thought you meant business in that altar. You either meant business or you did. She's shaking her head, she knows. The Lord told her, don't go across there. You might step into something. And you'll never make your way back. You hear me? God is saying to us tonight, I've got a victory for you. His name is Jesus. What's your answer for the church, Jesus? What's your answer for my youth, Jesus? What's your answer for my kids, Jesus? What's your answer for the person that, you know, is, 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 has a need in their life? Jesus. Whatever it is that you have need of, Jesus is your answer. And if you just started coming, amen, praise the Lord, you're going to learn a lot about Jesus. And you're going to find the power of God. And they're going to be like my brother Ralph back there that needed $100. And he's walking down the street. And God knows what you have need of before you even ask. And he's got somebody already prepared with a $100 bill five houses down from where you were at. God's good. Tonight, before we leave this place, amen, I want to give you an opportunity to pray because I just feel in my heart the Spirit of God is saying to us, there's somebody here tonight. Tonight's your night. Tonight is your night. Amen. Almighty oh, God. Oh, would you bow your heads in prayer with me tonight as we go before the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, tonight I thank you 
for the great privilege, the great honor to be here. And Lord, I know that I was probably all over the map tonight with things, but Lord, I believe you spoke to somebody and you're talking to some folks. Tonight is our night. I'm asking you, God, to draw by your spirit and to woo in this altar. We've got people that will pray, Lord, and that will minister to every person, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, hallelujah. Lord, I pray just let the sword of the Spirit do its work in our life and bring faith, Lord, tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus. Draw by your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here tonight, thank you, Lord. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I want the power of God in my life because I'm tired of where I've been. I want you to know tonight God knows. That's why He brought you here tonight to stir your heart, to show you there's hope. I promise you there's somebody in this house that's been where you were at at one time. And there's hope for you, my brother, my sister, my friend. If you want to know Jesus as your Savior tonight, we've got altar workers and I want you to come. Altar workers, come here and stand in the front. Delia and Santo, come and stand here in the front. Amen. We got altar workers here that will lead you to Christ tonight. But you got to make that step. You got to step out of your seat tonight. You got to let God do that work in you. Would you come? The Lord will touch you. Maybe you're sitting in your seat and you say, I want to go so bad. Come. You're never going to know until you step out in faith. Let God minister to you.